Welcome back to This Week in Finance. Today, we have a new episode coming out, and I am very, very excited for this one. I've been doing a ton more research and digging, so this is probably going to be a bit longer than the last one. So I got my cup of water right here, um, and I'm ready to go. I do want to go ahead and first shout out Zencaster. This episode of This this Week in Finance is sponsored by Zencaster. Zencaster is a fantastic tool that allows you to record podcasts with ease, but I will be talking a little bit more about that later, so make sure you stay tuned to hear about Zencaster. All right, so the first thing we are going to jump into is Mr. Warren Buffett. This has been one um, that I have been following. Warren Buffett. His Apple investment went up $9.8 billion in less than a day. Less than a day. This man made $9.8 billion. Just think about that for a second. I'm going to let that settle in. Imagine someone told you you could make $9,800 in a day. You'd be ecstatic. If someone told you you could make $9,800 in a week, you'd be ecstatic. This man made $9.8 billion in a day. (laughs) Like, that is just insanity. Um, The reason for all of this, obviously, is his Apple investment. Um, If you're watching here on YouTube, you can obviously see this. If you are listening on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, or somewhere else, you are going to be unable to see this. However, go ahead, check out the YouTube channel, um, youtube.com forward slash C, forward slash financial friends. The link will be down in the show notes for you to go ahead and check out. But so he owns 5% of Apple. Apple um, rose about 7%. um, I think it was the day prior to this, uh, January 27th, that this happened. It would be a Thursday. Um, Might have been the Thursday or the Friday. I'm not 100% sure. Um, I'm sorry. It was on Friday. It's right in front of me. Um, but $9.8 billion due to that Apple performance. Um, you can see down here that Warren Buffett stated he doesn't think of Apple as a stock. He thinks of it as their third business. It makes up 40% of Berkshire Hathaway's portfolio, um, which is massive. For someone like Warren Buffett, he kind of preaches this uh, diversification of core solid businesses and so for him to kind of venture off into tech was definitely a bit weird and then for him to make it 40 percent of his portfolio um, was also a bit weird however clearly it paid off he actually passed zuckerberg um mark zuckerberg the owner of meta or facebook or the ceo rather of facebook um he passed him up through this creation of $9.8 billion in a day. Uh, We're going to touch a little bit more on Mr. Zuckerberg in a minute, kind of how his wealth has diminished as of late, uh, but a little bit more on that moving forward. So next up here, I want to talk about streaming. So you all know that if you have a little, you know, followed me or you have me on public, you knew that I was invested in subs. And I recently sold out of my position of subs, which was a streaming ETF. Um, for a few reasons. You can see viewing this now, Thursday, February 3rd, basically every major streaming service is up. Amazon's up 15%, Netflix is up 1.82%, Disney's up 0.8%, Apple's up, Viacom's up, AT&T's up, Comcast is up, but streaming is weird to me. So the, the 
headline of this is streaming video no longer impresses investors. So media companies need a next act. Now, Netflix has been getting into these games recently. Um, I'm not sure that that's the move personally. I think that it's very weird. I think that this industry is somewhat capped by the competition. There's a ton of competition in this space, in the um, streaming space, and it's mainly because there's so many players. So when you have Apple and Google with YouTube TV and Amazon with Prime Video and Netflix with Netflix, Disney with Disney Plus, and then there's Hulu and ESPN Plus, you have so many different options. I could see, if you scroll down here, Peacock, Paramount Plus, uh, these are ones I hadn't mentioned yet. HBO Max. There is so many options that as consumers, I'm a bit conflicted. I'm not necessarily sure what streaming service I want to own, which one's the best. And so we tend to maybe have one or two core services. And I know personally for me, if you know I want to watch some movies, maybe I'm feeling in the mood, I'll just go ahead and purchase one month and I'll watch as many movies or TV shows as I can in that month. And when it expires, it expires. So some people or some companies are not retaining customers. Netflix had a little bit of trouble in their growth, plummeted. Well, a lot of investors bought that dip. And as you could tell, um, you know, it's on its way back up. So I think that this industry is capped by that competition for now. I'm sure at some point there will be um, some form of consolidation so as we start start to see that on like unveil and kind of unfold, I think maybe then we can pick winners. Um, but I was not trying to pick any winner, winners with subs. I sold out of the position simply because it was small. I am consolidated a bit more into Disney because I believe personally in Disney. Touch a little bit more on that as well later. Um, lots of news coming in. But something I do want to touch on in terms of consolidation is this here. Headline is AT&T to spin off Warner Media in $43 billion Discovery Media merger, and they're cutting their dividend. Now, I'm not going to be talking too much about AT&T cutting their dividend, um, but the main reason I wanted to touch on this story was because Warner Media is being spun off to Discovery, and Warner Media was the owner or the um, you know producer of HBO Max. So. HBO Max is now going to be potentially merging, um, you know, with with Discovery, and it's going to become Warner Bros. Discovery. So I'm pretty interested to see how this kind of develops. You could see spinning Warner Media off allows AT and T to focus more on their capital expenditure, and then it'll also, you know allow now um, Warner Media and Discovery to kind of compete with Netflix, Disney, and other streaming services. Um, but AT&T does not have to keep that up. So I think that that's pretty interesting. They do also note here um, that Disney will be having their financial results soon. So I'm, again, very interested to just continue to watch. I know that's kind of a, a staple statement here um, on This Week in Finance. Something that I kind of bring up a lot is I'm just excited to watch. I'm excited to see what happens. But um, at my core, I'm like a finance nerd, a finance junkie. So I enjoy watching all of this stuff kind of happen. And, um, you know, we did know about this in advance, but we did talk about in previous weeks how some more mergers and acquisitions were going to start to happen. So, you know, you can see a little bit maybe of some consolidation 
in terms of companies kind of merging and coming together or partnering up, um, you know, like Hulu, ESPN, and Disney Plus, they're a bundle. I wonder if we're going to see some companies start to bundle their packages together to kind of become a little bit more competitive. So that kind of wraps up that topic. Something that I do want to touch on is this. So Visa says that CryptoLink card usage hit $2.5 billion in its first quarter. Very interesting. Um, the reason I think that this is interesting is because we talked about last week, um, if you haven't viewed last week's, definitely after this episode, go ahead, check that one out. Uh, either there'll be a card or a link below. Um, but we talked about how Google was kind of venturing into the NFT space or the, you know, the web three space. And this is supposed to be a space of decentralization where we're no longer having one company or one entity run this space. Well, <laughs> we now have Visa, MasterCard, uh, Google, all of these companies, big centralized companies stepping into the space. The, where did my note here go? The CEO of Visa said, we will continue to lean into the crypto space and our strategy is to be a key partner to provide connectivity, scale, consumer value proposition, reliability, and security that is needed for crypto offerings to continue to grow. Now, I don't necessarily disagree with that statement. I think that as consumers can come to trust the cryptocurrency space a bit more, there will be an influx of cash. And I think even as we get some regulation here in the United States, potentially, um, and you know, it's kind of deemed, hey, we're accepting this, but we're placing some barriers so that people don't get hurt. Um, you know, you'll start to see a little bit more mass adoption, but this is still, it, it hurts my brain. Um, we are centralizing to become more decentralized or we're decentralized through centralization. Lots of words, lots of big words, and lots of confusing concepts when big brands start to step in. I know I had a few of my buddies over on public, um, you know, kind of start to mention Bitcoin might be the only thing that they trust. Um, they're not necessarily sure, you know, of this space, how things are moving, and they're extremely into crypto. Um, shout out to to Kenny and Shay over on public. So I'm not sure. Um, I don't, I have mixed feelings about this. Um, I know, again, decentralization, like complete decentralization is probably never going to happen. And the DeFi space itself will probably always be a thing, potentially until that regulation rolls around and you know maybe kind of kicks it out to the curb. But for now, we're seeing some weird things. We're seeing decentralization through centralized companies uh, kind of promoting this space, the cryptocurrency space as a whole. So it will be interesting to watch. It'll be interesting to see. You could see a couple of notes up here that Visa has started a crypto consulting service and invested in crypto platforms as well. So um, we will see how all this unfolds. The push from fiat to crypto is one that might eventually happen. Um, not 100% sure. Like I said, going to kick back and watch. I'm going to go ahead, take a sip of water real quick. But speaking of good centralization, I do want to thank again the sponsor of this week's episode, Zencaster. Zencaster is an all-in-one podcast experience. It is a centralized experience, um, and you will get 
a link to be able to send your guests if you want to have them onto your podcast, which will allow them to easily join the call. Um, and it is very, very seamless. Uh, it allows you to also have separate audio files. So if you have you know, person A and person B, they will each have their own audio file and own video file if you do so choose to record video. It will also generate a transcript automatically for you, and you can take those audio files and video files and download them to your computer or your device separately, which is amazing. Um, so if you would like to try Zencaster for your own podcast, you can go ahead, check the link below in the show notes uh, for 30% off your first three months. So big thank you to Zencaster, um, and let's continue to move on here through this week in finance. So I have a little bit of sad news um, I'm not going to dwell on it for too, too long, but I know that a lot of you have heard about this, Wordle. Wordle has been bought by the New York Times. Um, I don't necessarily see this as a terrible thing. It kind of makes sense that the New York Times would definitely try and push in. Um, you could see the key points here that the New York Times is acquiring Wordle, an online game, that the move highlights the importance of the company's games unit, which is something that I haven't really looked into too much. Um, it hosts things like Crossword and Spelling Bee as a new way to get people to subscribe. So obviously as newspapers go from you know physical paper to online, they have this subscription service and it will kind of block you out from reading things. And obviously there's some form of subscription that allows you to play games. Maybe like, you know, the physical paper, you know, you'd play the crossword on it or the word search, whatever. So um, without disclosing the price, they did mention that it was in the low seven figures. So let me grab the person who made its name. I think his name was Jack, Jake. It's not in here. Wardle. Wardle was his last name, Josh Wardle. There it is right here. Um, founded by the software engineer, Josh Wardle in October of 2021. So huge shout out to this gentleman. Um, he only had 90 people playing it on November 1st and now uh, 300,000 mid-January and millions because it just absolutely blew up over social media. So um, he is now a millionaire, hopefully after tax and everything, depending on how low of the seven figures it was. Um, but hopefully he's now a millionaire. Huge shout out. I hope that the game stays free. Uh, it said that it's they're not looking at adding a price, but I'm not sure how long that will last. So moving forward with another purchase, another big purchase. And again, this touches on our mergers and acquisitions. We kind of made that call that, you know, money, lots of dry powder was being stored up in the technology world and Sony unleashed some of their dry powder to purchase Bungie for $3.6 billion deal. Um, consolidation in the industry, as you can see here in the headline, heats up. So this is like, hey, shots were fired um, and we're going to trade sh trade shots. You know, um, Microsoft goes out, they go ahead and inquire, acquire Activision Blizzard. Sony says, two can play this game. We're going to go buy Bungie. And um, I don't follow this space too much, but I think they did a little uh, flip-flop, if I remember correctly. Um, you could read a little bit here. Bungie's behind the multiplayer shooting games Destiny and Halo. So uh, it looks like the latter. So Halo was being developed by Bungie um, until 2010. So I'm not sure if that spun off or changed at some point, um, but still a massive, massive deal. Sony was obviously up after the news 4.5%. But again, we talked about this, a ton of dry powder in the technology world and valuations were dropping. So companies are going to make some moves and that they did, that they did. Speaking of technology, 
Come on. Come on. Alphabet. Google, basically. YouTube, essentially, as well. All bundled into one. Massive fourth quarter beat. Massive fourth quarter beat. I mean, just look at these numbers. Earnings per share, 30.69 versus the 27.34 expected beat. Revenue, 75.33 billion over the 72 expected beat. The one miss, I will note, the one miss, surprising, well, not surprisingly, but as a person from the outside, you would assume they would beat on this all the time. YouTube advertising revenue, 8.63 billion versus the 8.87 expected. Slight miss. However, then you get into Google cloud revenue, 5.54 billion versus the 5.47 beat and traffic acquisition costs beat. So massive, massive. Uh, It says here shares popped more than 9%. I was kind of watching this with JJ Buckner over on his dividend freedom channel a little bit and everyone was going crazy. And then the news dropped that a 20 to one stock split, stock split, pardon, uh, will go into effect potentially in July. I know that there was a few other things that had to get approved first. I think those things did get approved. Pardon me as I take a sip here. Just some water. Um, but nothing with this split changes. You know, fundamentally, the stock is still the same. Fundamentally, you own the same amount of value. I know that a lot of people started posting, you know, what does this mean and how does it, whatever. It makes the stock more accessible to people. It drives headlines and makes the stock more popular. So more than likely, in my personal opinion, the stock will definitely, you know, go up and tick up after the split. Imagine a $3,000 stock. You do a 20 to one split. Stock becomes more affordable and, you know, people can then kind of go buy whole shares, use it for options, uh, becomes a little bit more eye-catching to people, you know, newer investors who are just kind of getting into the market. Maybe they were going to come in with a thousand bucks. They see, you know, like a $3,000 stock. They're not going to potentially want to buy it, especially if they don't understand that, you know, fractional shares are a thing and they can kind of make those moves. Uh, So they might decide to make the purchase. Now the stock is a little bit cheaper. It's not cheaper value wise, um, but price action wise, I guess you could call it. um, It's going to appear a little bit cheaper. I've been in Google now for a little while. I sold off a few positions that I wasn't too keen on to kind of consolidate some of my positions and kind of push it all into Google. Um, Big fan of the, you know, of the business of the company itself. Obviously this being up here on YouTube shows that I have some, you know, belief in YouTube long-term. Speaking of belief of YouTube in long term, shout out to Datatastic um, over on Instagram. I don't follow them on my financial friends account, although I should. Also, if you want to follow me right here at FinFriendsYT over on Instagram. Uh, But as you can see here, come over and join me on YouTube if you want to see this image. Um, The revenue versus YouTube and Netflix. This is for... Again, Alphabet, YouTube is a part of Alphabet, you know, the bigger picture. This is just the YouTube ad revenue versus Netflix as a whole's revenue. We have down here in 2019 Q1, $4.5 billion for Netflix, $3 billion for YouTube. Come to today, Q4 of 2021, we have $7.7 billion for Netflix 
and 8.6 for YouTube. So YouTube has now surpassed Netflix's revenue and they don't even have to create their own content. I'm on the platform making my own content. Graham Stephens on the platform making his content. Andre Jicks on the platform making his content. People like Mr. Beast and PewDiePie driving millions upon millions of views on YouTube. They have their content already done for them. They don't even have to do anything. So YouTube looking absolutely fantastic, passing up Netflix. Obviously, Netflix had that little blunder there uh, for a little while, and they seem to kind of be coming back a bit um, in terms of you know price, people kind of buying up on the dip, making sure that they buy those stocks a little bit cheaper. But continuing to push forward, I definitely wanted to point this out before we moved on. Facebook and Mr. Zuckerberg. Facebook shares plummeted uh, yesterday, more than 20% on weak earnings. I'm recording this, obviously, you could see up at the top right on February 3rd. So yesterday would have been uh, February 2nd. Absolutely crazy. 20% on weak earnings. Now, the company has good earnings. I think they generated $40 billion overall. Um, but they did have a big blunder on their hands and that was going to be obviously here in the daily active users monthly active users um daily active users did not hit expectations and monthly active users did not either they also missed on earnings 3.67 versus the 3.8 expected um and it looks like a small beat there on revenue but there was another issue um, i'm not sure that it is highlighted here in this article however the Realty Labs, which is the platform or the organization within Meta, within Facebook, that is, well, it, it is Meta now, I apologize, um, within Meta that is developing the VR, the Metaverse type of stuff, uh, they lost $10 billion over the course of, I think, the year. Don't quote me on that. Uh, I know they had a big loss in the quarter. I think it added up to about $10 billion over the course of the year. So not looking too hot for that business. Now, they are attempting to expand, but I wanted to touch on my views on the metaverse and kind of what I think about it. I'm not super high on it, to be quite honest. I definitely understand the application in terms of education and entertainment. I think those two things, there's a massive world out there for the metaverse to grow and expand. I mean, imagine being able to pop on a headset and you now turn into a classroom with a teacher in front of you drawing on the board. Um, you know, you could essentially have children at home or people who are, you know, potentially handicapped or disabled, you know, being able to stay at home and still get a good quality education. I think that's fantastic. I think it's amazing. However, living in the metaverse is not something I want to do. Um, I don't want to pull, put on my headset every morning and be in this fake existence. I don't want to work in the metaverse. I don't ever foresee that taking off unless there is, you know, a massive population out there that is completely against my views of things. Then I don't necessarily think that it's going to take off. Zuckerberg is pushing this and, and really shoving it down everyone just kind of throat like hey you know metaverse 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 we're gonna have this great thing and the media and the hype around it and, and no one really knows like what exactly it's gonna be and i think that kind of feeds into it mark zuckerberg scares me a little bit i'll be quite honest with you all um 
yeah, he just kind of scares me. I can't necessarily put a finger on why. I know that, like, when articles are coming out, they kind of pick bad pictures of people on purpose, but he's kind of creepy. Um, he probably has a lot more information on me than I would like to know, but he, he creeps me out a little bit. Again, touching back on the metaverse, though, not getting too far down the rabbit hole of Mark Zuckerberg. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how long it will take this business um, of theirs to become profitable. I'm not an exclusive investor in Meta. I do have exposure through ETFs and such, but that's about all I'm willing to settle with. I'm not going to you know, continue to invest outside of my ETFs and stuff in Meta. I don't want that um, you know, chunk of my portfolio invested anywhere other than, you know, spread across the ETFs. I get enough, you know, allocation to Google and uh, Facebook, Amazon, etc. elsewhere. So I'll keep them in my ETFs. I do hold a few of those individually, but not really looking to expand on Meta. It could take a while for this business to become profitable. It could take a long time for this business to even break even. I'm not sure how quickly the adoption will come. I'm not sure if the adoption will come at all. But again, it is going to be interesting to see. I'm not going to bet on it. I'm not going to bet against it. I'm just going to watch. I'm just going to see how it goes. I personally won't be involved too much in the metaverse, but I think that NFTs and some other things that are you know, in that space, in that realm, are definitely very interesting. One move that I do like in regards to the metaverse is, or I guess we could call it, um, you know, yeah, the metaverse, Disney. Disney will be participating in the metaverse and NFTs. They have now opened up a position at their company for someone to join them. Someone who is, let's see what the quote is down here, has a knowledge and passion for digital and NFT categories, as well as experience in business licensing and develop or development. So they did make a post about this, um, you know, for a job Marvel has already been experiencing in the NFT space over on Vivi. And I think some other ones as well looks like uh, there's a large number of popular franchises for Disney, Star Wars, Pixar, and Marvel. Again, Marvel's already kind of doing their thing in the NFT space, so it'll be interesting to see how Star Wars and Pixar can fit in. There's going to be demand for this. I think any time that you can put yourself out there as Disney, you know, as a chance for people who already love your characters and love your, you know, series and movies and Star Wars and Marvel and, you know, all the characters and superheroes that go along with it, those people are going to want to consume it, especially in this digital age. You know, we are moving in terms of NFTs away from someone wanting to own something physically, you know, the physical version, a virtual version that is confirmable on the blockchain is more appealing to many people. And even for myself, I am not against owning something um, on the blockchain verified, you know, as an NFT, especially maybe if there's some additional use cases or utility, maybe special access to areas within Disney. I think that would be fantastic. Uh, Disney has came out already and mentioned they will be participating and making some moves in regards to the metaverse at their parks. So that is definitely interesting as well, seeing how they can kind of maneuver that into their physical spaces, as well as creating maybe spaces uh, virtually. So I'm, I'm all for it. I do have a position in Disney. I will be upfront and honest about that. 
I don't have a position in meta, someone who is looking to develop the metaverse and my views directly align with both of those. So I don't want you to get you know, persuaded either way because I own Disney. I'm going to talk positively about, you know, this decision. I think that it is good, but I'm also talking negatively about a stock that I don't explicitly own as well. So not investment advice. Please take this for what it's worth and do all of your own research. One thing that I also am invested in that you should definitely know before I talk about it is SoFi. We talked a few weeks ago and I do have a video about SoFi. Again, either linked up above in a card or the video down below in the description, but SoFi has completed the acquisition of Golden Pacific Bank Corp, which is the bank that they were acquiring um, and kind of merging with. And so now it will be called SoFi Bank instead. They are keeping the physical locations of Gold Golden Pacific Bank open, uh, but they will be utilizing this to now give users of SoFi higher percentage yields on checking and savings accounts. Looks like potentially up to 1%, which is 33 times that average. I think this is amazing. I think this is fantastic. Obviously, we already had this news beforehand, but they're planning on rolling this out in the coming weeks. You also know what is happening in the coming weeks, the big game. So I'm sure you will see a ton from them there, whether or not you know there are sponsorships. They are playing at SoFi Stadium, which is enough publicity as is. I'm sure tens of millions of people, potentially hundreds of millions of people will be watching the big game this year. So this is good news for SoFi. I'm continuing to buy in. I now own 21 shares of SoFi. The stock was down a bit today. I added another share. Uh, I think it's down in the like 11 or so range. Let's check it out. Let's go ahead and click here and see $11.57. It is up 1.56 in after hours today, but still under $12. I'm buying like crazy as much as I possibly can without um, allowing it to consume too much of my portfolio. I am trying to be weary of my diversification, but very excited for this announcement. And I also opened up a SoFi Money account because I'm I want to track this, see how you know things in the app change, how the interface changes, how the experience changes, how the rates change as well. So I will be watching. And I will be commenting along the way for everyone here to kind of learn a little bit more about. Last thing here before I jump into my last story, I do want to remind you of the offer for Zencaster. So please go ahead in the show notes below, go ahead and check out that link. Or you can also just type in in your browser up there somewhere, Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R. That's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R.com. That will bring you to Zencaster's website. You can go ahead and check everything out over there. It is a fantastic platform. Again, all-in-one podcasting platform. Um, you can also use my personal offer link. This is what's going to give you that 30% off. That is down below. That's the link that's going to be below for you to check out. And that is zen.ai forward slash this week in finance zero. So again, Zen dot ai forward slash this week in finance zero give it a shot let me know what you guys think um, and that link will be down below into the last story i know i've kind of clicked over it a few times um, here we go history says that the federal reserve induced stock route won't last so some very interesting news there's been a ton a ton of fear in the markets a ton of volatility up down left right center you name it but as we can see here in this article from Forbes, 
four of the last five rate hiking cycles, which is what we're expecting to happen in March. We've been told that it's going to happen. We're not exactly sure the roadmap of everything, but we were told to expect rate hikes in March. Um, it's actually coincided with at least a double digit percentage gain over the period that it's been happening, except for 1999 to 2001, the S&P did actually fall during that time. So four to five, that's 80%. Now, history is no predictor of the future, but it is all that we have to look back at. This will be, again, very interesting to sit back and watch. I am a passive investor at heart. I buy index funds. I hold on to them. I buy stable, boring, good companies, and I hold on to them. And I am betting on SoFi. It's one of my risks. However, I like to do that. I like to stay safe. I like to stay stable. And I like to stay passive. So with everything being said, I hope that you enjoyed this week in finance. You can go ahead and check out last week's episode. Um, there should be something on the screen here at some point. You can go ahead and check out that episode. You can also go ahead and watch some other videos. I have some investing basic videos and some other things as well. And if you are listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, or wherever else you could be, I want to thank you all for listening, and I will see you next week.